The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. She only wanted to be made well. She only wanted to be made well. Jesus and the disciples had just gotten out of their boats and walked onto the beach when a man named Jairus begged him to come and to heal his little girl. Jesus agreed, and as he made his way, The crowds that gathered on the beach followed him and pressed in on him. And in the midst of that crowd was a woman, a woman in desperate need, a woman chronically ill who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. And this hemorrhage had not only robbed her of her health and her money, but her well-being, her community, and her faith. It was, commentators say, an unusual menstrual flow producing a state of ritual impurity that entailed social restriction and exclusion based on the religious laws of Leviticus. 
According to the religious law, she was ritually and religiously unclean. And so she should never be allowed to touch anyone, especially a man and especially an honored teacher like Jesus, for she was considered impure, shunned, like an untouchable, cut off from God and her community. She was alone. But in her desperation, she somehow pushes her way through the crowd, weaving her way between and beneath more able-bodied people, and she grabs onto the hem of Jesus' robe, and immediately she is healed of her disease. Jesus feels the power go out from him, and he stops and he looks around and asks, Who touched me? And the pressing crowd becomes silent and still, everyone looking around to see who it was. And she comes forward, the scriptures say, with fear and with trembling. She knew that she had broken the law. And according to that law, she had made Jesus unclean himself, transferring her uncleanliness to him. And nonetheless, she musters these three words, it was I. And Jesus looks at her, and the crowd looks at her, And everything in this story hangs in this moment. What will he say? What will he do? Will he condemn her? Will he ignore her? Will he bless her? What will happen? I selected this reading for today because of the period poverty event coming up this afternoon at 2.30. And we'll be hearing about period poverty, the lack of access and means to afford sanitary products, We'll be watching the Oscar-winning documentary, Period, End of Sentence, and we'll be packaging period care kits for those in need. They'll go to a woman's place, domestic violence shelter, and to the mitzvah circle at Beth Or. And it just struck me how the story of the woman with the hemorrhage connects so powerfully to what we are doing today and the experience of people today. We tend to read these stories in the Bible and think that it's in the past, that it's just old thinking. But as one of my professors at Harvard, Dr. John Levinson, would say, never say of the Bible, oh well, that's just how they thought back then. The thing about the Bible is that it's a living word. It speaks to us today. And the stories and truths that it tells captures the human experience, which transcends time or place. The Bible captures our aspirations and our failures, our brokenness and our belovedness, our prejudices and our courage. It excavates the layers of human need and what we and God can do to heal it. However you feel, whatever you are experiencing, even right now, you can find it in the Bible. These stories we read are not just something that happened way back when, but they speak a truth that sheds light on our lives today, and that's why we keep coming back to it. In the same way that the woman was socially isolated by her condition for cultural, social, and religious reasons, people today suffer from similar stigmas. And as with this woman, this condition is compounded for those who are poor and vulnerable. In the beautiful documentary, Period, End of Sentence, we meet a group of women from a small village in India, not far from Delhi. And because of cultural taboos around periods, many have to remain close to home, They can't go to the temple to pray, can't get an education or aspire or have the confidence to follow their dream of having a job. We see the way in which something called the PAD Project comes to their village 
and then empowers them individually and collectively to dream. But it would be too easy, as with the Bible, to say that that's just something that happens over there rather than over here. It is a reality for so many people. And if it weren't for my daughter, Ellie, who has educated me about it and invited me to the National Period Day event downtown, which is all run by teenagers, and if she hadn't practiced her presentation that she's going to give later today a half a dozen times on me this weekend, I would know absolutely nothing about it. And it makes me wonder about all the other ways that I or we aren't aware of in which people find themselves in a similar situation to the women in our story. Forgotten, alienated, isolated, stigmatized, lost in the crowd, longing to be made whole. In our current cultural moment, we love to argue about a handful of hot-button issues, and those are important. But there are so many ways in which people stand in need of our love and our concern that remain unseen and unheard. And so I'm grateful to Ellie and the advocacy team for lifting this up for us this afternoon, teaching us and empowering us how to help so that we can extend ourselves and God's love to others who are often lost in the crowd. And I just have to say that I've been totally overwhelmed by your encouragement and support for Ellie and this project. Um, people have been dropping off period products at our house for weeks uh, and as well as the church, and just this morning, people coming to me after church and say, I brought stuff, I brought stuff, where can I put it, where can I put it, so that you have it for later. People have been making donations. Uh, my birthday was last month, and on Facebook, you can dedicate your birthday to a cause. We raised almost $900 for a woman's place shelter um, to further their mission. And uh, just yesterday, we heard this amazing story from Maureen Robinson. So um, Maureen is very excited about this project, and she took a box to her, uh, her office and so each day she would take this box to collect donations for the event today. And she said at the end of every day, the box was overflowing. Amazing. And then she said, and I have to get my phone for this. She said, um, one day at work this week, one of their clients you know, came in and said, you, you got to come outside. You got to come outside. And she didn't know why. And so she did. And she followed her out to this minivan. And the woman opened the door of the minivan and it was filled with products. And, um, and I wanted to read the message that her church sent. So this donation came from Sanctuary Baptist Church, which is West York Street in Philly, which is in the Strawberry Mansion area of the city. And it says, uh, to the advocacy team at Upper Dublin Lutheran Church, the members of the Sanctuary Baptist Church Missionary Board consider a blessing and a privilege to assist your organization. We hope that these donated period products will help to encourage and brighten the day of some women in shelters. And then they quote Luke 6. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give it into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all shall be measured to you again. Sincerely, the missionary board. Amazing. And so back to our gospel. And Jesus looks at this woman, and the crowd is all staring at her, and everything in the story hangs on this moment. What will he say? What will he do? Will he condemn her? Will he ignore her? Will he bless her? And what does he say? Daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You are healed. She is physically healed, but now, even more importantly, after 12 years, she is restored to relationship with God and with her community. I don't think we could even imagine the relief and restoration after 12 years that she would have felt when he spoke those words. And this is a quintessential Jesus moment where Jesus transgresses or transforms the religious law for the sake of love. Like when he healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, or he was sitting alongside a serially divorced Samaritan woman at a well, or when a woman anoints Jesus' feet and the religious leaders say to him, if you knew who she really was, you wouldn't let her do that. And he says to them, I do know her and I love her. Jesus demonstrates here in the healing of this woman who grabs the hem of his garment and these other stories how the whole law is summed up in a single command, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I think we find ourselves today in precisely that moment in our gospel reading when Jesus looks up and calls out, who touched me? And the trembling woman says, it was I. We are the crowd pressed in on Jesus, waiting and watching in that moment when Jesus looks at the woman and all is silent, and we see Jesus respond with compassion and love. Your faith has made you well. And that word is a word not just for her, but for us as well. For at some point in our lives, some place in our hearts, we too have been outcasts. We too have been alone. We too have suffered quietly, each of us in our own way. We have longed for healing and we have been rejected. Our hearts have been broken. And in our pain, we have reached for whatever healing and solace we could find, perhaps even begging and pleading with God, pulling as hard as we can with our prayers and our tears on the hem of God's garment. And God looks on us in the same way and says, My child, your faith has made you well too. The love of God overcomes our shame and our stigmas, the ones we internalize and the ones we perpetuate. It breaks us out of our prisons of isolation. It meets our needs with compassion rather than judgment and frees us to love ourselves, others, and to serve those in need. This morning, I think of that woman. I think of those that we will help today, and I think of us. And I think it is finally and only all together that we will be made well. Amen.